Hungarian plane to Transylvania became a counterpoint of knights in hovels and sojourns in castles of kindly aristocrats. But above all, as he travelled exultantly curious through the landscapes and histories of the unfolding continent, this was a young man's introduction to the riches of European culture. The journey took him a year, but it was over forty years before he began to publish it. Other matters intervened. For four years after he reached Constantinople, he lived in Romania with his first great love, Princess Balasha Cantacuzen. It was during this time that he first began to write up his youthful walk, but the words wouldn't flow, he wrote. I couldn't get them to sound right, and none of his first effort survives. Then came the war and his period as an SOE officer in occupied Crete culminating in his legendary abduction of General Kreiper, divisional commander of the island's central sector. It was not until 1950 that literary success arrived with a travel book on the Caribbean, followed by a novel and the resonant account of his retreat into monasteries, a time to keep silence. Above all, his travels in Greece, where he settled with his wife, Joan Ayres Monsell, yielded two books, Mani and Rumeli that celebrate not the sites of classical antiquity, but the earthy, demotic Romeo sign, the folk culture of the land he had come to love. Late in 1962, the American Holiday magazine, a journal more serious than its name, commissioned Paddy to write a 5,000-word article on The Pleasures of Walking. With no presentiment of what he was starting, he plunged into describing his epic trek. Nearly seventy pages later, he was still only two-thirds of the way through, just short of the Bulgarian frontier, at the Iron Gates, and the discipline of compression had grown unbearable. Enormous scenes of memory were opening up. Between one sentence and another, he threw off the constraints of an article. Those first seventy pages were set aside, and when he resumed the narrative, writing at his journey's natural pace, he was composing a full-scale book, from Bulgaria to Turkey. Now all the stuff of his walk, the byways of history and language, the vividly etched characters, the exuberantly observed architecture and landscape came swarming onto the page. On New Year's Day, 1964, he wrote to his publisher, the loyal and long-suffering Jock Murray, that the narrative had ripened out of all recognition much more personal, and far livelier in pace, and lots of it, I hope, very odd. So, ironically, the last stretch of his journey from the Iron Gates to Constantinople was the first part of his walk that he attempted to write in full. He wanted to call the book Parallax, a word familiar to astronomy that defines the transformation that an object undergoes when viewed from different angles. It was a measure of how acutely he felt the change in perspective between his younger and older selves. Jock Murray, however, balked at the title as too opaque. He thought Parallax sounded like a patent medicine, and it was tentatively renamed A Youthful Journey. In the mid-1960s, with the manuscript still incomplete, Paddy put it aside and became absorbed with his wife Joan in the creation of their home in the Peloponnese. When eventually he returned to the project in the early 1970s, he realized that he must start all over again from his journey's beginnings in Holland, and that there would be more than one book. 
For the next fifteen years he laboured over the great trudge, as he called it, to produce the two superb works that carried him to the Bulgarian border. The manuscript of A Youthful Journey, meanwhile, handwritten on stiff cardboard sheets, languished half-forgotten on a shelf in his study, enclosed in three black ring binders. The spectacular success of the first two volumes drastically increased public expectation for the third. Between the woods and the water had ended with the irrevocable words, to be concluded, and the commitment was to dog Paddy for the rest of his life. By the time he returned to a youthful journey, which began at the Iron Gates, where Between the Woods and the Water ended, he was in his seventies. The text itself was some twenty years old, and the experiences remembered were over half a century away. This early manuscript was written in prolix bursts, barely edited. It lacked the artful reworking, the rich polish, and sometimes the coherence that he had come to demand of himself. The slow.